Hello and welcome to the Buffering Podcast. I'm Christian from Ericsson Films, joined today by my co-host Eric from Eric Moran Films. And you'll notice on today's episode, we don't have any video, because we're actually trying a program called Zencaster, which is this really awesome online podcast recording uh, software where you're just able to log into the website and you're both able to record in high quality. So probably next week or whenever you hear from us again, we're going to be uh, interviewing a guest again. But we wanted to try something different where Eric and I just sat down and, and talked about a topic. And, and today's topic is going to be burnout, something that I think any content creator, any creative in general experiences and something that both of us were beginning to experience with this podcast, something that we've now been experimenting with for a while. But you guys should notice right off the bat, the audio should be a lot clearer. The levels should be consistent. I'm now able to actually edit that stuff. And we're also now going to be trying to use Anchor. So this podcast should be on a variety of platforms. But as before, uh, I mentioned already, we're going to be talking about burnout. Um, something that I've recently not been feeling a lot of, but Eric has. Uh, especially with this podcast, because it's something that takes a lot of energy from both of us, finding guests, um, finding people who want to record with us, editing it, putting in the time. It's something where it's really rewarding, but it's also, it uses a lot of energy. It can be really tiring. So uh, with that being said, like Eric, what, what for you was kind of like the feeling you were getting lately, like with, uh, like with your channel and like with this podcast about like your levels of energy and, and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll start with the, uh, the podcast. I mean, first of all, I enjoy doing the podcast. I, you know, there's, I've had a lot of fun doing it, interviewing guests, hanging out with you. Like it's been a great, um, experience. Like I'm glad I did it. Um, that being said, there's a lot of challenges that I wasn't really kind of expecting. Um, because you realize how much effort goes in these things, um, whether it be like planning ahead, doing research on a guest, reaching out to guests, finding a, a time that works. And then sometimes the time won't work for them, but it'll work for us. And then like trying to, and then things come up and stuff like that. And then, um, on top of that, it's not like, it's not like my main project. It's kind of like something we're both kind of doing on the side. And I think when you have things like that, there's kind of less, there's less energy there and there's less, um, you know, there, there's less attachment to it. Like I still enjoy it and I still like it, but the fact of the matter is, is it's not something that, um, as many people are watching than like my regular stuff. So there's like, you know, there's kind of less of a motivation to do it. Um, I still enjoy doing it, but recently I was like, you know, I was kind of thinking, I was like, man, this is really taking a lot out of me. And, I think the only way to combat this is maybe uh, to try to just switch something up and maybe, you know, see what we can experiment. So I'm glad that we're experimenting with this new audio software. I'm glad that we're experimenting with this style of just us talking. Um, I think these are ways that can kind of re-energize me with this project. Because again, it's not like this project is something like it, it's, yeah, there is an audience for it, but a lot of it, it's like, it's just for us too. Like, for you sure. know, it's kind of something that we're both kind of doing. It's not, I don't know how many people there are out there who watch or listen to every single episode. Um, and, and, you know, that's something that I've kind of been dealing with 
Um, so I think definitely the burnout has hit me more with this. And then also, I guess, with my channel as well. Um, I think I've overcome it with my main channel for the most part. Um, but you would think when you have nothing going on, as of right now, I don't have a job. I'm not in school. I literally have nothing going on. You would think that would mean, okay, I'm going to be able to make a ton of videos. Um, but I've been, I'm so used to always making videos, but at the same time being in work, being at work or being in college and trying to juggle those two things that I was so used to that. And now I have neither of those things and it's just videos. And for some reason, just being in this situation with the whole coronavirus thing that really led me to just be demotivated and just like, I, I kind of just felt defeated by my environment. Um, as kind of pathetic as that sounds, but I literally like, I, I felt kind of hopeless because I was like, man, this is really um, draining. And it just for whatever reason, I wasn't getting the, the same motivation and energy with filming things. So I kind of stopped. Um, and now I'm at a point where I think I've overcome it, but it's still hard. Like, it's still hard to like, drag myself to to record podcasts or to make videos because I think I'm just in a funk for whatever reason. And I'm sure you'd agree that, you know, with the whole coronavirus thing, I would think that there's there's something about it that just like, I don't know, that just makes me less motivated to do things, which I thought would be the opposite, but I guess not. Right. I think that for me, it has been like the biggest challenge with this podcast has been the technical side of it, which I've just found to be a nightmare. Um, mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know what we've been doing up until this episode is screen recording discord video calls, which there really is no good way to do that from what I've seen. Mm -hmm. So we're trying something else um, with the intention of both improving quality and making it easier on us. But I guess for me, like my passion is more audio recording. So like something like we're doing right now, I think I just tend to feel more comfortable where we're not really on video. We're just kind of chatting. Um, we're probably going to reintroduce video at some point. However, like I think that general feeling though of being like demotivated, I definitely can relate to because if you look at my YouTube channel, we haven't made a video in a month and we have a couple of videos in the pipeline one of the reasons we're not making anything right now is because I'm actually working on a big project for my college, um, like an orientation video for them. They, they asked me to make it. So I'm really excited about that, but that's taking a lot of energy. But I think that the hard thing, yeah, with this podcast, which I agree with you, Eric, is that we don't really have any truly consistent viewers that I'm aware of. And if you are listening to this and you're a consistent viewer, shout out to you and go ahead and leave us a comment or something. But what we're doing, which is, I think, the problem a lot of podcasts have, is we're interviewing a bunch of guests who have nothing in common, whose viewers mm -hmm. will come and listen to our episode and then probably never listen again. Mm -hmm. So the hope being with this thing that we're trying right now, that you guys can get to know us as people, as creators, and the show becomes, yes, about the guests, but also about the hosts, which I think any good podcast, the host can't just be you know, generic interviewer number one. It has to be people who you want to hear what they have to say. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's tough about it is that there have been some, and let me just start by saying 
every guest we've had, I've enjoyed. I haven't had a negative encounter with any of them. And I thought all the episodes turned out really well. And like each person we interviewed, we left that, like I would think, like making a new friend or building a stronger connection. Like there's people we had on the podcast who I still keep in touch with and we'll chat with more frequently because of that podcast episode. Like if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have that uh, kind of connection or relationship, which is so big when you're making YouTube videos and you're trying to find people who do the same thing as you. Um, that mm-hmm. being said, at certain points, it would feel like um, some conversations, it would feel like it would it was just us interviewing. And I think a lot of that falls on me and you. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put any blame on the guests, but sometimes it would be like, you know, I would be like, I'm just asking a question, waiting for an answer, maybe saying something and then just asking the next question. And some some episodes have been more like conversations. Others have just been interviews. And I think it's I, I think um, it's important to try to find that balance. And I think that's part of the reasons one of the reasons I was demotivated, because I there were certain times where I was just like, you know, this isn't really that exciting for me. Like, I love talking to these people. I love getting to know them. But at the same time, there's something that isn't there. Uh, which is why I feel like when we're experiencing this burnout or whatever you want to call it, um, that it's important that we try to experiment with new things and, and, and figure out things that that we can do differently. Because if we're going to just do the same thing over and over again, and, and I know that there's certain things about it that are making me unhappy or not satisfied, it, we're just going to keep having the same problem. Um, so I guess that's the advice to anyone. Um, and I'm sure you would kind of feel the same way in that sometimes things feel more like not an interrogation but like just kind of like us just throwing things at guests rather than trying to make some kind of conversation out of it because when I think of like someone who does that really well I think of like someone like Conan O'Brien who like I don't know if you actually watch him but he he does like um you know he's really good at kind of engaging with his guests and you know, really, um, you know, asking questions, but at the same time, making it feel a lot more natural. And I feel like the moment that I'm able to try to, the moment that I'm able to get to that point, this will be a lot more fun for me. Not that it isn't fun now, but there's definitely hardships that come with it, especially when you don't have a consistent base of people. And again, I don't want to make it seem like I'm complaining that, oh, we only have X amount of subscribers. Cause I think we both started this knowing it wouldn't get a lot of people i think that's something i even mentioned at the beginning i'm like you know we probably won't get like a consistent base for this but that's okay and that's something i need to keep reminding myself that it's fine and um but that i would be lying if i said that isn't something that demotivates you but at the same time i don't want to make it look like you know that we're complaining you know well you know what i'll say on that um is at least kind of my theory i guess going into all this having now done zoom classes for months and like gone through that whole experience with work. I really don't believe video calls or digital calls in general work very well with more than two people. And one Mm -hmm. thing I'm interested in exploring is the idea that you and I just alternate interviewing guests. So it's like one week I record it one week, you record it with one guest, because I think Mm -hmm. there's something to be said about this idea that, it's so awkward when you interrupt someone on one of these calls because like you yeah. don't know when they're going to come in. It's not like a real life conversation. There's no eye contact. There's no like body, you know, like you, you can't read people's like um, 
basically like, you know, that their body language. Um, so I'm interested in exploring that because I really believe that was at least for me, one of the things that was, yeah, I was having sure. trouble with is like, I don't know when to jump in. I don't want to like, um, interrupt this person. I don't. And it's just, I, I find that with anything I do on zoom or discord when there's like more than a few people, like, it's just like, I don't know if there's some art to it. And if anyone knows like tips on that, I'm like more than eager to learn more about that. But at least for me, that's kind of a problem. Yeah, I 100% agree because I mean, even when I was doing like stuff for classes, you know, when I was in school and doing the Zoom classes, I wouldn't know when to chime in. And like my professor, one of them said, Eric, why aren't you participating? And I said, I don't know when the right time is because it's so much different when you're in a classroom and you're able to raise your hand and you're able to have that eye contact, even with video call and you're able to see the other person. It's so much harder to just like know when to jump in. And um, I noticed with some of the episodes that you and I were like kind of rotating on who would ask a question, maybe unintentionally, but I noticed that it would kind of be like you would ask one and then I would ask one. And, um, you know, I don't know. I noticed that that was kind of something that happened. Um, But at the same time, that's not perfect. Right. Because, you know, you can only you can only have such a perfect method because then I might have a follow up or, uh, you know, the guest might want to say something. So that is an interesting idea you bring up because obviously I enjoy doing this with you, but it, there are times where when you have more than two people, it's and it's online that makes it so much more like if we had them in a studio or something I feel like that'd be a lot easier for you know right like if we yeah. if we had a, like a a, a, play, a set place where we both recorded the podcast and we would bring people in obviously we're not at that point yet and we live on opposite sides of the country so that probably <laughs> yeah. wouldn't work. But I'm I'm just saying, I'm like, yeah, that that's something that I was kind of feeling the same way. I'm like, you know, what what can we do to to combat this? And and I think maybe one thing is just not necessarily going to that method officially, but at least experimenting with it and just trying it. You know, like because that's that's the only way we're gonna get better at this thing is if we keep doing it, but also at the same time try new things. Um, because if we're not because we know that there's certain aspects of this that aren't making us the happiest. So we have to find ways to kind of, you know, navigate around it and, um, or attack it head on or whatever. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with that, that whole, and that, that was definitely one thing that, um, that bothered me, but honestly, I never really thought about, but since you mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's definitely a part of, maybe why I'm experiencing this lack of motivation is just the whole video call aspect to it. Um, because sometimes a guest is telling like a really cool story or something. And I don't know when I want to jump in or, yeah. you know, and I think that's, you'll, you'll experience that, that, that dilemma with any conversation, but when it's on a video call like this, it's just, it's kind of amplified in a way, even when you have that video, I, I would argue the video makes it a little bit easier but still, it, it's hard to, you know, it's it's hard to combat that. So, yeah. Um, well, one thing I'll jump in me. with is that I think that what we're... Tr- so, since we're just kind of planning this out on the podcast, which I like, I really like that idea that the listeners can sort of get a sense of what's going on internally. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea that maybe it's, I interview one person that's an episode, then us together, then you interview one person, then us together. Mm -hmm. That way it's still us together constantly. So it's still our podcast 
However, each interview is like a separate thing, like where it's like, hey, uh, it's Eric today. I'm interviewing this. This is Christian. I'm interviewing this person. Um, it's Is it perfect? No. However, I think that I honestly do think like what you mentioned, though, if we were in person, it would be very different. Um, and that's why we have to both be cool YouTubers and move to LA and then just do this in person, right? That's yeah, going to solve yeah. all our problems. Yep. Yeah. The moment you move to LA, it's just, everything's just handed to you and it's so much easier. So, you know, I, I'm already famous enough to move to LA. I think we need to work on your kind of platform, Christian. You're kind of dropping the ball. Well, I actually uh, will, you know, <laughs> to, well, you will not, be not, not really LA. doxing myself because it's a huge city, but I'm going to be living in LA next year assuming coronavirus stuff is better um so in that sense maybe we'll both be in la at some point i don't know on a serious note though do you have like any desire to move to la eric like with the Uh, kind of stuff you're doing i thought about it but at this point um i'm just worried about like finishing college and then at that point maybe that's something that'll cross my mind but like i've not to get too far off topic but like I've I, I know it's possible to do YouTube and do this stuff without being in LA. And for what I've seen, there's a lot of like kind of toxicity that comes with like social media influencers living in LA. Um, so yeah, it's not something it's not something I necessarily write off, but it's also something I'm like, is this really necessary? Because I know plenty of successful YouTubers who don't live in LA. It's not like you need to live there um, in order to make videos. Like you see those TikTok kids get TikTok. Uh, houses and it's like in in la or beverly hills or whatever and it's like you don't need that to succeed so i i agree i don't think you need it however i do think it helps a lot to be like in like driving distance to most of the people who are involved in this thing like i guess who are involved in it to the point where it's their career i think a large majority of them live over there if i understand Mm-hmm. Um, so I think of it as like a networking thing. However, I'm also aware that LA is really expensive. Um, so living there is not always feasible. Um, however, I don't know. Like, I think for me, I probably will end up living there. Oh, I mean, I'm going to for sure. Cause I'm yeah. going to UCLA next year, but like after college, like I'm also a city person though. Like I like cities. So I know that's something where people differ. Like I know some people like they're, ideal life is like living out in the country and like a little house which is that's awesome you know everyone's different in that way Mm -hmm. and i think maybe it it goes something to it kind of relates to burnout in a way too because when you're surrounded by people who are doing the same thing maybe that would i don't know because i've never been in a situation where i'm surrounded by people who are all doing the same thing as me but maybe that might energize you I don't know. It's a possibility. I know when I talk to other creators online, it certainly energizes me. So maybe having those relationships in person, maybe it'll be the, you know, maybe, maybe it's kind of a similar thing. It, it, it very well could be, but I think the main thing is just going there to, uh, network and, you know, um, build, build relationships. But at the same time, if I were to move there, I'd try to make relationships with people who don't do the social media thing as well. Because I think that's important um, because everything I've heard from social media people living in L.A. is like people just using each other. And so I think it's important to try to uh, get friendships outside of it, assuming this ever became something big. Um, by right. this, I mean, like my channel. So, 
I don't know. But I would imagine being around creators that, cause I know like with VidCon, I know we plug it every podcast, but when you're like, I, I always, every time I go to VidCon, um, I'm, I always go in kind of feeling like demotivated with like YouTube videos. And then I come out feeling like super motivated. Um, so maybe that's something too. It's just being around people, talking to people about it. Cause I don't know if you've made this public Christian, but there was at one point where you even said like, you know what? I might quit doing YouTube. And then you talk to other creators about it. And then you're like, no, I'm not going to quit it. So I don't know if you did wanted that public or not. I don't think it's really that big. I I really don't care to be honest. The the only thing is like, I don't want like my address out there, but I think beyond that, there's a lot of other stuff. If you guys want his address, just uh, send me a direct message on Twitter or something (laughs) and we can figure that out. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that like, I don't know. It's, I think we've talked about this a lot, but I think that the worst thing to happen to a creator is to like, let the idea of fame be the only thing pushing them forward and let Mm -hmm. the idea that the positive reception they get on every video is the only thing like maintaining their mental health. Cause I believe that's a recipe for extreme disaster. Just like, with the way YouTube works, with the way internet fame works in general, I feel like it's really easy to get internet famous to some degree, and it's 10 times easier for it to end immediately. Um, and I'm not saying that there's not often good reasons for that. I think there are. I just think that it, it sort of scares me, though, how many people like with social media tend to look at it as sort of their lifeline of like, this is my existence. This is my value as a human being. And I think that can go with anything, you know, everyone has things that they identify with. But I just think that if social media success is your driving factor, you are unfortunately going to be met with a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you see it so many times with social media people that if you look at where they were a couple of years ago and you look now, a lot of them aren't doing as well as they were. I mean, obviously, there's exceptions of people who are always consistently at the top. Um, but I think when people put all their kind of eggs into one basket and like, they're like, I'm only going to go like all in on this thing and aren't really planning for the future and only relying on that gratification they get, eventually it's going to go away. And, uh, I, I have noticed at certain points when I upload a video and it doesn't perform well, which happens quite frequently. Um, I uploaded, uh, a video like one of these TikTok videos and I was so like happy with the end result and it didn't get as many views as I would have liked. And then I, I was like, man, why am I doing this? You know, I was like, dang, this really sucks. But then you remember why you do it and stuff like that. Um, and then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to just try something else and, uh, you know, just try it again. Um, because clearly I like doing this. Obviously I want to get my stuff out to as many people as possible. But at the end of the day, I like doing this and there are people who are watching it. So I need to just keep going with it. Um, and, you know, I, I tried something new and I did like my most recent videos performing for my standards super well for whatever reason. So well. And so that's that's one of those things um, that that energizes me seeing that feedback. But then I also need to be like, OK, well, this stuff isn't necessarily permanent and I can't you know, obviously it feels good. Not going to lie. It feels good when you have a video that does well and you feel like you're on the top of the world or whatever, but you also need to understand that, you know, this could 
this could just kind of go away or the next video because the way my channel works is like one time one a video will do well one time the next time it'll just flop and so you know it's just kind of going up and down and up and down and that's something that's definitely demotivating because I would feel like if I had if every single and I'm sure you would agree if you have every video that all that you know is always going to consistently perform you yeah. would you would be so much more energized to make videos because you know it's going to be well received but for me with a lot of the stuff I do I usually don't like sometimes I'll have an idea how it will perform but it's like YouTube in general and social media in general is so unpredictable which definitely hurts with my motivation. Because um, I know you have stuff that'll do like, like, I mean, what? You had a video recently that got like 100,000 views. Obviously, right. you're not going to get that every single time you upload a video. So just, you know, I would imagine that when, you, when you're on that, I mean, I had a video that did well like a couple of years back. And now like you have that, that got 300,000 views. And now I have videos that will barely get 200. And you're just like, you know, you're relying so much on that. And I think that definitely can contribute to burnout, um, in my opinion, is when you have videos that just aren't performing the way you would like them to, uh, which sucks. But that, that honestly is a reality of it. Yeah, no, I think what's what I find sometimes is. I'll watch someone's channel, like and I'll scroll through their videos and I'll kind of have this moment where I'm like, OK, this person wanted this video to perform really well and it mm -hmm. didn't and i can tell by the title and i can tell by the views and sometimes i feel sad but then i'm like okay right we're all in the same boat like i don't know if you'll ever notice that like when you're going through someone's channel like mm -hmm. you'll be like this is a pr pretty big channel this video looked like it probably had a lot of work going to it and it like did really bad like as yep. far as views yep all the time you'll see that with bigger channels and you you know that they poured a lot into it but i think the the big thing is that you just gotta like if you love doing it enough, as cliche as it sounds, you'll find a way to just, you know, get around those things. Um, because ultimately, the people who succeed are the people who are doing it for the right reasons, because they're going to keep creating stuff no matter what, even if the views aren't there. Um, and I think that's where I am right now. I think I have like a three week uploading streak, not trying to brag, but I think three weeks in a row. Um, that's cool, dude. Yeah. And and it's not like the views have been perfect, but I'm like, I, I keep having to remind myself. I'm like, well, why am I doing this? Um, and it's always to entertain. It's always to have fun. It's for myself. It's for the people who watch. It's, you know, because that's, that's a big part of it. Because, you know, the moment you start trying to look ahead and, you know, do it because you want to be a famous influencer or whatever um you're just going to be constantly met with disappointment because a lot of the people who are successful now they definitely had to work their way up to get where they are i mean youtubers i mean tiktokers are a different story but youtubers they had to work they had to work hard to get where they are most of them um so that's something i keep having to remind myself um but I, yeah, I, I see it happen with a lot of YouTubers too when they don't get the views they want and then they just take a break. And it sucks, but taking that break, although it's good in some portions, like to take breaks, it could hurt you in the long run. And that's something that a lot of people struggle with because they're like, should I take a 
uh, a break from making videos, but then when I come back, people might forget about me, or should I be making videos and that I'm not really energized to be making, um, but I just have to keep doing the whole uh, quantity over quality thing. Um, because the way YouTube works is that if you don't upload for, I mean, there was a period where you didn't upload for a while. Like, don't you have that yeah. worry where you're like, people are just going to forget about you. And that's something that contributes to it. I think, cause I've definitely experienced that where there was a period where I didn't upload for three months. I'm like, God, are people going to even remember who I am? You know? So, well, I think it, I'll say one thing, like one of the reasons I'm really happy that I make tech YouTube videos is I think that within the technology niche, there's this kind of constant feeling that you can reinvent yourself every single video because technology is just this huge, huge industry. And it like covers so many different things that your channel can like constantly be bringing and losing people. And you're still, your numbers can still go up. Um, however, like, on like the topics of why I haven't made like a lot of videos in general is like I work with um, Tristan is like the producer on our channel. Like he basically owns like all the video gear that we have. Um, and we're just kind of like trying to deck out like a really professional, just video production setup with the goal of doing freelance work. And then YouTube being as like, this is our public like thing people can see like a portfolio and for me the channel is definitely really important and i think that as i get closer to um so the biggest thing is like we don't have like a permanent space to film in which is kind of a problem since we have so much gear so we're trying to work on that and once we get that set up we're going to make a lot more videos but for now i'm kind of like accepted that this is something i'm working towards being able to do a lot and right now it's kind of like a now and then thing and when i make a video i always just try to like put everything into it. And then uh, it tends to do pretty well, at least with recent videos, because they've all been like at least a month between them. Like none of them were like a rushed effort, but that's also just cause tech, I think it allows you to do that. Like, I think with what you're doing, it's a little different cause you're kind of, you're documenting your life. Like you're vlogging, like people to a certain degree, if they watch all your videos, they're able to keep up with your life. And if you disappear for a super long time, then there may be a sense that people will lose that story and lose what's going on. But I also think like some of the recent stuff you've done shows that you can just sort of make something that will bring in a lot of new people. Like you're covering some different news. You're talking about things that affect a lot of people. So I think it, it, it's kind of like a back and forth with any niche, but I'm just glad that in tech, I think you can constantly be reinventing yourself in a sense. Well, from what I've noticed with tech, it's like each video you're making, you have the, idea that your video is most likely going to attract a new audience with me i don't really have that that some of them sure like when i make certain videos that you know are talking about like more newsy stuff or more current event stuff those will probably reach an outside audience but when you're talking about tech or tech that's in or you know stuff like that um you know that a lot of your video your views are going to come from search and you'll get like a lot of new people through there um, and for me, sometimes I know that when I upload something, it's probably only going to go to like my, my base, like my hardcore supporters will watch every single video, no matter what it is. And, you know, that can, that can be frustrating at times. Not saying that I don't appreciate the, the support that I do get, but when you know that it's not really gonna go past that next, uh, that next level to being in, you know, 
search results because I think my video about uh, what is it? The video about why I deleted TikTok. That video is gaining like 500 views every couple of days because TikTok is in the news again, and everyone's now starting to realize, oh, this is actually a a, a, a security threat. Which, not to say I told you so, but I told you so um, <laughs> because I've literally been on that train for like two months now, saying that the, yeah, I mean, it has a lot of other problems too. But now that video is starting to get views and I know stuff like that. I'm able to bring outside people um, and that's rewarding and that's cool because like, you know, I know that my stuff will be seen uh, to a larger audience, um, but it can be demotivating at times when, you know, you're making stuff and it doesn't it doesn't go past that, you know, initial phase as well. Uh, maybe it would be demotivating for you as well. Like when you're making the tech stuff, I, I don't know if this is something that you struggle with. Like, yeah, you're, you're getting people to your videos, but how many of those people stick around for each video? You know, how many of them are there every single time? Very few is mm-hmm. the answer to that. Yeah. Um, and it, and it makes sense. Cause like for me, I watch a lot of tech YouTube and I tend to watch a lot of one-off videos and never watch the channel again. Not cause yeah. I don't think it's a good channel, but simply because I don't have the time or, um, desire to like really seek out their content again, unless it's someone who really blew me away. But even then it's like, and I think a lot of people watch YouTube in this way. It's a phase. I'll watch all their videos in like two weeks and then I'll never watch them again until like six months pass. And one of their videos pops up and recommended. Um, and I think that what makes me sad is a lot of people who create content take it real personal when people don't stick around mm-hmm. for their stuff. But I think it's really not that way. Like YouTube is so saturated. The idea that anyone watches any channel consistently, I think is amazing because I don't even have a single channel on YouTube that I do that with. I think the closest thing is your channel because like you're a friend. So I'll watch all yeah. your videos because I think it's, you know, it's, it's also just like support and like, you know, we're, we're aware of what, what, what the other person is making. Um, but as far as just channels where I don't know the person, I, there's not a single channel where I watch every video um, mm-hmm. as just like a channel that I like. And I know for some people, their, their habits are different. They're subscribed to like 20 channels. I'm subscribed to hundreds, if not thousands. And I need to start unsubscribing because I don't keep up with, hardly any of them mm-hmm. yeah I, I had to do that uh like probably like six months ago i just went through and i'm like okay how many people am i still actually watching and i don't think there's any youtuber other than like close friends obviously like friends i will try for the most part like you and people like that to watch their stuff um but there are even times where i can't even keep up with all the content that i'm friends making not really you necessarily because it's you know, you, you've already explained your schedule is like a lot of it's like once a month. So that's super easy for me to catch up with. But I have some friends that upload so frequently and I can't watch all of them. I just, you know, I'm not, I'm just not capable of, of, of doing that necessarily. Like when I see something pop up, I'll go watch it and like, you know, be like, Hey, this was cool, you know, support them because they're a friend. Um, but when it comes to like, videos like some channels that i'm subscribed to i was subscribed to so many channels and then i was like i should probably unsubscribe because the people i want to see because it got to a point where i wasn't even checking the sub box because i knew it wasn't going to show me anything because the people i want to see were covered up by people that i didn't really care for anymore and i feel like i'm also doing a favor by unsubscribing from those people because then i'm also you know giving them a more authentic number um yeah as well i mean as crappy as it might sound it's like you know, I'm not watching your stuff and 
you know, it, it doesn't always look good when you have X amount of subscribers and you don't have views to back it up. And, you know, some people might be put off by that. I don't know if it necessarily bothers me, but some people are. So I'm just trying to help you out. And also, like, I don't watch your stuff. So why will I stay there? Um, and I think, as you said, some people will take it personal. But especially when it comes to tech, um, from what I've seen, like, when I do watch tech stuff, it, it barely, it, it's not, um, other than you, I don't really watch much tech. Maybe I'll watch, like, a video telling me how to install some app from, like, a third-party thing. But that's it. Um, and... And because I think when people are watching tech, they're not necessarily watching for the person. They're watching for the technology. Just like sometimes when I'm covering something or talking about something, sometimes they'll be watching for the thing that I'm talking about and not for me. And I think that's something when, you know, when you have a channel like that, it's 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 very hard to try to let your personality show because obviously you want the you want the center of your stuff to be about the thing that you're talking about. But at the same time, you have to try to think, well, how am I going to bring more people back? And maybe the way that you can bring more people back is by, and we've discussed this before, but just by trying to interject some something that people want to stick around for, even if you're talking about a piece of technology that they don't care for. Um, it could be like, you know, it could be like inserting humor it could be just the way you're filming it, like the cinematics of it, because I, you know, your stuff is very cinematically pleasing. Um, so it could be that. Um, but I would imagine that that could be, you know, tough at times, just knowing that people will be, because I'll know, like, when I get a comment and then, like, I know I'll never see him again. I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, and that's YouTube, that's life. And to creators listening, uh, don't take it personally. Like, think about all the videos you watch once, and then you never come back to that channel. You could have loved the video. I mean, there's plenty of videos that I see that I'm like, wow, this was a great video, but you don't really have a desire to ever go back. Um, and I understand that that can be demotivating, but also it's like, that's the internet, man. Like, especially with YouTube, it's like videos take a lot of the viewers' time to watch. You know, you'll be seeing a lot of eight-minute videos now because of the whole mid-roll thing. But still, that's still like eight minutes. So, right, and and you know, I'll just like pivot here a little bit. Um, this is sort of like popping into my head right now. But I think one thing that I've learned from this, and I'm currently learning, um, is that I think that the single best thing someone can do who's creating content who wants to improve is to really work on improving their own confidence and their own ability to speak. And I think that is like, when I, when I think about YouTube, I, I tend to like, I, I'm, I'm a real techie guy. So I tend to think a lot about like gear and microphones and a lot of what I put my money into, like my whole life has been buying gear for YouTube just because, well, I mean, one is just because I like it. And I, I'm, I've recently come to accept that that's why I do it instead of trying to say that it's because it's going to make me more successful. Cause often that's not the case. It's really just cause I like it. However, what I'm learning more now though, is that if you really want to improve as a creator, the best thing you can do is learn how to speak well, learn how to be confident, learn how to sound self-assured in what you're saying. And I still struggle with that a lot. Like even like really subtle things like when people talk, I'm like watching a course right now 
from some like British voice actor. And the course is about speaking. And from my understanding, when people are speaking and they're perceived as confident, you know, this is, this goes for all people. Um, it's because often they're really resonant with their tone because they're speaking from their chest, not from their throat. And that's like a kind of psychological thing, you know, where you don't sound, um, like you're like, you don't know what you're talking about. Even if you sometimes don't, if you really do sound confident and you believe what you're saying and like, you're communicating that through the way you speak and like not talking so fast, not mumbling. Those are things I still struggle with. And I think a lot of that also just comes down to confidence. And I think that it seems like I noticed that a lot of the really successful YouTubers, like I don't know how they are in their real life, but at least to the camera, they appear really confident. And I also think you do a really good job of that. Like I, th- I think you're a very like confident communicator Thanks. and that comes through in your content. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I certainly, I mean, first off, thank you. I certainly think, um, there is like some level of practice that comes with it because I'm not the most confident person in real life situations, um, which I'm very vocal about. And, you know, people know that, um, I'm certainly working on it and I think I'm getting better, but for whatever it is with the camera, that's something that you kind of like train yourself for because you understand that's all people are seeing. So you got to try to like, at least appear as, you know, that, that you're like a good communicator. And I've been receiving a lot of comments saying that, you know, I'm, you know, like complimenting that, which is, which is awesome. And, you know, I'm glad that stuff's being noticed. And I, I think a lot of people don't think um, like creators, because I have people, it doesn't happen as much anymore. But it, when I, I used to have people would be like, Oh, I want to start videos, what equipment do I need and stuff like that. And I'm like, Okay, equipment's important. But at the same time, you need to be thinking about other things too, like your delivery, what you're going to be talking about, you know, stuff like that just the whole confidence aspect of it too because you can have all the equipment in the world um but if you're just if you're just not good at talking or relaying relaying or making an argument or whatever you're trying to do uh with your channel nobody's gonna watch you because i i I know people who have like the coolest setups ever um you know and and their stuff doesn't necessarily perform you know well necessarily and this isn't a dig on them it's just like that's just just because you have a certain you know setup or whatever doesn't mean people are going to want to watch you it can help for sure but it's not something that's gonna like you know blow people away like oh he has this cool setup you know you you gotta have to you gotta try to and, and it's hard to be confident on camera like it's stuff that takes uh a lot of a lot of work and a lot of just like you know practice and I think I remember when I was, how old was I, 9, 10, uh, actually probably a little older, 11 maybe, I was making like these Lego stop motion videos. And I remember I made the decision to invest in like a $20 Logitech mic. And I remember saying, I had like, what, 90 subscribers at the time. And I'm like, man, I'm going to hit a thousand subscribers because I bought this mic. Um, and I'm like, I'm going to do a 1000 and I was planning out my 1000 subscriber special. Keep in mind, I only had 90 subscribers, but I had like this and I was young. So, you know, not to go too hard on little Eric, but like at the same time, (laughs) you know, and obviously I wasn't a great communicator because I was like nine or 10 
And we already know how hard it is for young kids to do well on YouTube because people instantly write them off because they haven't hit puberty yet or their voice or whatever. I've experienced that firsthand. Luckily, now that my voice is a little deeper, people tend to take me more seriously for whatever reason. <laughs> but a lot of people don't watch like, you know, young kids because of that. Um, and so, yeah, that was something that I was definitely struggling with. And then you get better at communicating and, you know, you kind of grow up and, you know, things just come a lot uh, easier. Um, but yeah, it, it's so it's so important to just kind of make your delivery as as perfect as it can be, because you have people who will show up and, you know, you it's kind of like an audition for them. It's like, do I want to stay to this channel? Do I want to see more of what this person has to offer? Um, and so you need to make sure that their first impression, especially those first 30 seconds, a minute or whatever, that your delivery is great, that you're like, you know, you get to the point, you say what the video is going to be about. You do all this stuff. You perfect your deliver delivery. You're not stuttering. You're not saying, um, every five seconds, which is something I still struggle with, but I just edit that out. That's the power of video editing. Um, I just did it there. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's stuff like that, that I think is so big. And once you get that, I feel like it's easier to make videos once you're at that point. Cause now I can literally just like have an idea and I just turn on the camera and I don't even need to think about getting ready or whatever. I just, I'm just there. Same with the podcast. I just can turn it on and I'm just, you know, there's like a switch right. or whatever, which isn't easy for a lot of people. No, no I mean, I, so, I think that sort of the way I would describe I just, it. No, it all makes sense though. Like the way I would describe it to people is that I think it's to say that gear is not going to improve your channel is not true. I believe mm -hmm. it will. So like if someone's thinking like, I want to improve my channel, I'm going to get new gear. I agree. I think the thing that people forget though, and like, I'm just barely learning this is let's say that a new microphone will in improve your channel's quality by 10%. However, putting that same energy into becoming a more confident, uh, better communicator is going to improve your channel by like 300%, you know, like, mm -hmm. They both make an improvement. It's just one's like a really small improvement and one's like a huge improvement. And the other thing I'll say is I think it's also just like learning how to use your equipment. Because what I notice on YouTube, and I've fallen victim to this too, is there are a ton of people on YouTube who actually have really nice gear, but they don't know how to use it. And then they're like, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. They have nice gear. Like there are people on YouTube who have like two, $3,000 microphones, but the audio interface they're plugging it into is like 50 bucks. And it just makes no sense. Like it, like, cause they clearly don't know how to use it and they bought it cause it was expensive and they assumed it would be good. Uh, and that's just not a good idea. You know, it's like learn how to use what you have. And I think to a certain degree, it's like, there's definitely like a thing where if your microphone sounds like crap and it's like a webcam mic, I really don't think that's going to help you. Mm -hmm. I think that will hurt you, but like a cheap USB mic will mean that you're in a position where it's good enough to the point where you can like, now start focusing on like yourself and your communication skills. Like that mic that you got, people should, um, I would recommend looking into that mic, except that it's out of stock. The Audio-Technica ATR 2005. Oh, it? Yeah, it, it's a it's a fantastic mic and it's yeah. very affordable. And like the difference between that and a much more expensive mic really isn't big enough that most people on YouTube will notice it. And one thing I'll add about this too, is if you're really into gear like I am, I don't want to say don't get gear. I would just encourage people to like try to, I guess, try to maybe be more honest with themselves about why they're getting it. Like for me now, when I buy gear, cause I still buy a lot of it. 
I'm just like, this is my hobby. This is what I like. I like microphones. I like cameras. I buy them because I think they're cool. And like, I just tell myself that that's why, because it really is true. Like I've liked microphones since I was like 10 years old. I just think they're awesome. And I don't buy them saying, because I think it's because I used to like try to justify the purchases to my parents. Like I'd be like, well, I'm going to become way bigger on YouTube when I get this mic and this interface and all that. And it's like, maybe, but that's not a guarantee. It's like buying a $10,000 guitar and saying you're going to become a professional musician because of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And kind of going off of the, uh, the like you knowing how to use your equipment thing. Um, I, I fall victim to it sometimes too. When I ha- have the, like I have, you know, a Canon T6i, which is a good camera. Um, but there are some times where I just don't light it properly. And it is so apparent. It is so apparent when I'm filming a video in my basement compared to when I'm filming it in my room and I'm using my natural lighting, which took a while for me to kind of understand that concept. Um, right. Is that like just because you have a nice thing doesn't mean that the quality is necessarily going to be great. Like you have, even with this microphone, there are things that I do adjust before it could just be like, you know, perfect or whatever. It's, you know, there, there's, so you have to know how to use these things and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to start this channel because I don't have the X equipment or whatever. And it's like, dude, it's you don't you need like you don't need this extravagant stuff that I have. You don't need you don't need Final Cut Pro to edit. I mean, you don't need stuff like that. I do it because, you know, I don't know. I, I wanted to. And but it took me a few years before I got to that point. So, like, you don't need the whatever don't let that as something that it, that makes you want to quit or something that one that makes you want to just not even try it because that's something i hear a lot is people saying that and then i also hear a lot of people saying that they don't do it because they're uh scared about you know their how they will like appear on camera and that they're camera shy or whatever which i get right. no and i'll just i'll just add this for any of the uh any of the tech people listening to this is my SM7B, I have set the gain a little too high. So you're going to hear a little bit of peaking. That was my fault. I didn't change it because I didn't want the audio levels to be inconsistent. But just letting people know that who are listening is a little bit of peaking on my end. But that should be resolved by the next episode. What I'll add to what you were saying, though, Eric, is that um, I think that... um, One of the things that I think people... Um, don't always realize is that okay this is not sorry I'm going to try to figure out how to say this correctly I believe that if someone is like you know how everyone says like shoot YouTube on your phone like I know it's like a lot of people give that advice and I don't disagree with that if you have a phone then use it however one thing I disagree with is people plugging like new phones as like this is going to be your new YouTube camera get the new iPhone it's going to be a great YouTube camera I personally stand by the belief that like a cheap DSLR from like 2010 that's like 150 bucks on eBay will look way better than the iPhone 11 Pro in video. That's just my opinion. Um, the difference is it's not going to be as sharp. It's not going to be 4K, but what it's going to look is natural. I still don't think phone footage looks natural. I think it looks very artificial. And some people like that. So I'm not going to say that's a bad thing. However, I really do recommend, though, that if someone's looking to get into YouTube and they're looking to buy a new phone because they think it's going to make their cam- their videos look better, spend like one 
fifth of that money and get a cheapo DSLR, a Canon one particularly. And like you were talking about your T6i, that camera, you can get amazing quality out of that camera because mm. all the Canon cameras have, in my opinion, incredible color science and they look natural. And if you know what you're doing with them, you can use a Canon T2i that came out in 2010 and it looks really nice compared to like a new camera that costs thousands of dollars. It's just like, but I do think it looks a lot better than a phone. So that's one thing I disagree with a lot of people. Like people will talk about shooting with your phone. If you already have it, I agree. Yeah. But don't buy a new phone because you think it's going to be a good YouTube camera. I just don't think that's true. Yeah. I, yeah. If you have a phone and you're not in a financial position or you're not willing to make an investment into a camera, by all means do it. Um, and there are ways to improve your phone quality, whether it be using natural lighting and, and, and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, there are there are other options out there and there's a lot of great videos out there. Uh, before I ever buy new equipment, I will always look up YouTube videos, which probably helps us tech channels out a lot. It's like I'll just watch, you know, a review of like a like the vlog camera I have right now. The only reason I bought it is because I watched a few reviews on it. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. Same with this thing. I had to listen to how it sounded before I bought it um, right. uh, through, like, tutorials. And those channels that I saw, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, I never went back to their channel again, ever. And it's nothing personal. I appreciate them helping me out. But I'm just never going to... You know, I'm never going to see him again. But I think that's something important, too, is like knowing what you're getting and knowing what it's capable of. Um, and there's so many videos out there that will teach you how to, uh, you know, light things a certain way and do stuff like that. And, you know, sometimes I know all that stuff, but I'm just not able to, like considering my circumstances. Like sometimes I'll need to record a video and it's dark outside and I don't have natural lighting and I'm just kind of screwed. Um especially when you're trying to film videos in the winter in Chicago and every five minutes there's a train that goes by your dorm room and makes a really loud noise and you have to, and then you're also living with a roommate at the same time. Um, so that's not easy, which can also be very demotivating, but yeah, be smart with like the stuff you buy, do research. You don't need like the next, the next thing, the next big thing you don't. I mean, if you really want to, I'm not going to, you know, but you shouldn't buy it thinking this is going to make me the next uh, PewDiePie or whatever. Right. I mean, I think it, it, what I'm trying to say is like, well, one other thing, like, I don't know if you do this, but I really encourage people to buy used. I think buying used for gear is a great thing to do. You can save a lot of money and obviously you're taking a risk. It may not be perfect. However, I think if you communicate with the seller, I all my experiences have been really positive. Almost all the like uh, gear that I have, I bought used. Um, and one other thing I would say though is like, I, I I don't know, like I really, you definitely don't need to spend a lot of money on gear. But I think there are like some investments on cheap gear that is like really optimized for YouTube that like people could get. And I think that like some of that's like cheap used dslr that is old that will be perfect in my opinion and then like cheap usb mic that will also be good like the one you have um which isn't super cheap but it's cheaper than like a lot of other mics uh and then like yeah understanding lighting like being in front of a natural light but then like beyond anything else as we've already been discussing 
confidence and communication ability. Like that's, I would say that's like, that's like 80, 80, 90% of it, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's just being uh, comfortable on camera. And uh, I think if you're watching this or listening, I guess since there's no video now, um, that you can, that, that yeah, equipment's important, but just focus on your delivery and work on that. And don't let it discourage you when things don't, when it doesn't come out the way you want, want it to. And don't let that like get you down or make you quit or whatever. Cause it's something that takes time. Like I think every, I think one thing that's important to, to note is just like, think about the biggest YouTubers right now. If you go back to their videos at the beginning, I guarantee they were not good. I mean, if you go back to mine, they weren't great. Uh, Christian, either, yeah. I, I, yeah, I haven't gone back to the history of your channel, but I would imagine they suck. No offense. They do. They, they okay. absolutely suck. Because mine do. I mean, all of them do, and, and that's fine. It's like because you're not – you don't know how to uh, – your delivery isn't perfected yet. Typically, you're a lot, you're a lot younger. Um, there's just a lot of things you're still trying to figure out. So, yeah, don't let that discourage you. And you can you can do it. I believe in you. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but also, no, right. it'll be hard. But I believe in you. You can do it. Yeah, guys. Closing thoughts on that. We're somehow like perfectly wrapping up at right around an hour. Um, put the time into your delivery, as Eric was saying. And also, like Roberto Blake talks a lot about this on his channel, or at least he used to. I don't really watch his stuff as much anymore. But like, if you make tons of videos you will get better. Like that's just like a law of nature, essentially. Like you get better at something you do consistently. And I know you guys have probably heard this a hundred times, but it, it really is true. And I think you have to kind of do it to experience it. Like you don't become good at talking to the camera from just like being born with that talent. I mean, maybe a few people, but I think most of us, it's something that we had to cultivate and work towards. And I don't claim to be really great at it yet either. It's just that, I'm competent at it now because I've done it a lot and I'll continue to get better in the same way anyone else will who tries. And I guess also just like accepting that it's a journey and the destination as cliche as it sounds really isn't what it's about. It's about what you're doing, what you're enjoying, what you're experiencing, who you're meeting on that path. Cause that's really what it is. You know, the number you hit eventually that's going to be like, just from what I've heard talking to people who are like blue check marks on Twitter and have tons of subscribers, that's going to be like one day of feeling really good. It's not going to be the thing that keeps you getting up in the morning wanting to do this. It's the people you meet. It's the, 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 the creative experience of making something you're proud of. And just, I think being productive in a creative way, at least for a lot of us is really something that drives us all the time. And really, thank you guys for listening. That was that was fun. Sorry about my audio peaking a little bit, guys. We're going to get that figured out next episode. I just had my gain a little bit too high. But that was a lot of fun. And until next time, this has been Christian from Erickson Films. Eric, I don't know if there's anything final you want to say, but that's it for me. Uh, here's what I'll say. I believe in you. You can do it. Uh, you got this, King.